what does the Bible say about this? Is this, is the idea of supporting nationals just an, um, another way, or is it this model just a new thing or something that we're trying out? And I believe if we look at Scripture, it's a, it's a biblical model. It's not a model that's better than the other. It's not because one thing is failing, we have to do something else. No, I think it's a complementary model. It's, it's because churches have done the right way, missionaries have done the right thing for so long, we now have the responsibility of supporting the national pastors. And so, Matthew chapter number 9, I'm going to start reading in verse number 35. I'm going to get a little bit of water here before we get started. But we're going to start in verse number 35, and we'll read through verse number 38. The Bible says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you've been in church at all that's talked about missions and maybe a missions conference or missions emphasis time, it's a familiar passage to you. I'm sure Pastor Josh through the Five, six years the church has been in existence, has, has preached uh, through this topic at some point and through this passage at some point. But I want to just use it as a launching pad. Four simple thoughts that we, that we as a ministry have used to help the, the ministry and to help us stay encouraged and motivated on, on why we do what we do. So as we get started this morning, I'm going to ask that we bow our heads for a word of prayer and then we'll get right into the message. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the many friends that are in this church. Father, thank you for the years that they have partnered with our ministry to help get the gospel to where we otherwise would not be able to go. Lord, I just ask that you, as we're here for these next few minutes, that we are focused on your word, that we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word today. Lord, I ask that our perceptions or our our opinions or our ideas do not interfere with what you want us to hear this morning. Father, thank you for allowing me to preach. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just ask that the Holy Spirit move amongst every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know you all normally get out at 11 o'clock. Pastor Josh told me that last week. He emailed me this this morning. Pastor Tim told me 11 o'clock. The sound men told me 11 o'clock. And so I think it's 11 o'clock, but uh, I'll do my best. I know what time it is now, but I'll try to continue speak. I'll try to speak slow and get to the point here. I may just go a minute or two over. I promise you, I will not keep you very long. But Matthew chapter number nine, there's a lot that's happening in this book. And again, we're going to in this chapter, and we're going to. I'm going to skip over a lot of things because I have a few points specific I want to reach out to you. But and I won't go through all of this. But if you read chapter nine, starting in verse number one, obviously all the way down through chapter number thirty-five, Matthew is detailing and outlining all that God has done. And again, I'm not going to go through those points this morning, but I encourage you, if you have time this afternoon, this evening, or sometime this week, look through there and just take, take a pen and start marking down what God is doing. It starts in verse number one, then verse number six, and nine, 22, and so on and so forth. A lot is happening here, and it's important for the, for the, for the context of what we're talking about, but we get to verse number 35, and it's almost as if Matthew is just saying, listen, I can't even tell you all that happened. He's almost like trying to explain it. And then he says, listen, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing 
every sickness, teaching in all the cities and villages, healing every sickness. Take your Bibles and just kind of, you can keep your finger there, but turn over to John chapter 3, verse number 17, and I'll just start reading as soon as I get there, but obviously a very familiar passage. John three seventeen. the Bible tells us, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I believe it is the, one of the, the missions of the church is to complete the task that Jesus came here to do. He came so that the world may have everlasting life. He came so that they can know about his saving grace. And as he spent his time on earth and went back to heaven, it is now our job as a church... It's our job as believers to ensure that that word and that truth gets to every corner of the world. I believe if Christ has given us a mandate, some call it the Great Commission, there's different terminologies, there's different uh, phrases and and verbiage for that, but if God quite honestly wants us to get the gospel to everywhere, God has to, one, equip us, and I believe he has, and I believe also that he has given us the ability and the, the steps, if you will, on how to accomplish that. So Matthew 9, 36, but number, point number one, I have four points, and I'm speeding up here just a little bit. But Bible says, uh, let's see, third verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, the title of my message this morning is, is how, we're gonna re- how are we going to reach the world? Like literally, how can we as a church reach the entire world. Verse, the, the first point I want to mention is we have to see the multitudes. If you notice in the context here, in the order that this was given, Jesus had just healed every sickness. He had just taught and he preached and, and he had just uh, got, he was busy serving and doing what was right, but then he saw the multitudes. You know, it's very difficult for us to reach the world if we don't know who we're supposed to reach. We, ought, we have to purposely slow down our lives and stop and see that which God has put before us. It is not wrong to get busy. It's not wrong to get, 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 have a lot going on, but we have to every so often just purposely stop and see the multitudes. It is a passion of core missions to help churches see the multitudes. One of the things that we do every year, we spend many, many weeks uh, every year traveling overseas with churches. And again, some of you have been with us on a mission trip, and we do it multiple times every year, and we'll go overseas, and we'll pack up on a plane, and we'll go to Jamaica, and we'll go to the Philippines, we'll go to uh, Guatemala and Haiti and different places. Why? Because we want people to see those that Christ died for. If we're not careful, we'll get... We'll get so concerned about what's happening here, and I'm not being critical at all, please understand, but the reality of it is we get so caught up in what's happening here, we forget about those in the villages. We forget about the missionaries that are serving. And so Christ said we must see the multitudes. As a ministry, we want you to see the multitudes. That means sometimes getting out of your comfort zone. That means going to a place where you're using facilities that you're not comfortable using. That I, I, not getting into the whole story, and probably I shouldn't even get to the beginning of the story, but I remember back in 2014, my wife's already laughing. She's like, please don't say this. She says, I didn't put in your outline for a reason, and I apologize, but uh, she doesn't write all my outlines, just some of them that I'm reaching from right now. But uh, and I remember I was for, in West Africa for three weeks, and I was in villages. I'm talking about riding on motorcycles and taking boats and I mean, just the coolest things you can do. 
But I remember the most exciting thing about coming back, and, you, and I'm, not, I'm not preaching here, I'm telling the truth, okay? When we got back, you see what, I, see what I did there? Anyways, but we got back on the plane, and the most exciting thing, Brother Tim, is when I got to the plane, you know what the first thing I did? I went back to the back of the plane, opened that door, and man, there was a toilet. I was so, I hadn't seen a toilet in three weeks. We're using just holes in the ground. You think I'm being joking? Man, that 12-hour flight, that's where I was the whole time. I was just enjoying that. But, you know, we, you know it's okay to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. It's okay. We have a missionary with us right now who's preparing to go to the Philippines for about a month to work with our Bible college, and his name is Tim. And I said, Tim, just so you know, this one place you go, I'm getting way off track, but this is kind of fun. I said, this one place you go, there is no running water. His wife is Lauren. I said, you and Lauren are going to have to, you know, take, go, they're going to bring you a bucket, and it's going to be cold water, and you're going to take a sponge bath, and you're going to kind of pour it over you. and, 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 oh, by the way, it's in the Sunday school class of the church. And by the way, there may be other people around, you know, so you got to, well, but what's the purpose of that? We got to see the multitudes. Church, this morning, we want to help you see the multitudes. John 4, 35 says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. You know, I think it's, Christ is telling us from time to time, we just get busy and we forget why we do what we're doing. It doesn't mean we're sinful. It doesn't mean we're backslidden. He just says, Hey, look up your eyes. Get your eyes off of what's happening right in front of you and, and look. And so it's our desire as a ministry to get people onto the field and to provide videos and social media and different things so that you can see the world. It is hard to reach someone that you've never seen. It's hard to, well, I don't want to go past my point here, but it's hard to reach someone that you know nothing about. First of all, we're going to reach the world. We must see the multitudes. How are we going to reach the world? Verse number 36, the second part said, but he was moved with compassion for them. If we're going to reach the world, number one, we must see the multitudes. Secondly, we must have compassion. You know, it's very difficult, church, to do anything about something that you don't care about. It's very difficult to give money so missionaries can go. It's very difficult to give so that children can eat. It's very difficult to give so that pastors can reach their their villages with uh, with the gospel if we just don't care. You say, well, TJ, man, I I have a lot of responsibilities, and I get that. I have a lot going on. A lot is happening and different things. I understand that. But oftentimes we don't have compassion because we don't see it. Lamentations 3.51 says, Mine eyes bring suffering to my soul. Commentator wrote on this, Seeing the desolation of his country, the ruins of the city and temple of Jerusalem, and the multitudes of those that were slain, and, uh, and, and I wrote something down and I can't read it there, so we'll move. Uh, oh, and were carried captive. And the distresses uh, that, that the rest were in and that were affected, Jeremiah's heart was filled with grief. Does your heart ever get filled with grief because of what you see? I'm not talking about politics this morning. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not talking about having to take different precautions than we're used to. I'm talking about, do we ever hurt for those around the world who don't have an opportunity to know of Christ? Are we hurting this morning because there are villagers who are, who, 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 and missionaries who are struggling because there's, they're, they're trying to reach the people that we don't know about because we don't see about them because we don't, just don't care about them. If we're going to reach the world, we've got to have compassion. Why did Jesus send his son into the world? So that he can 
reach the lost so that they can know about him. If we're going to help do our part, we must have compassion. Fly with me to Africa, and I'll get the story very, very quickly. And we're in the, the, village, we're in the country of uh, Liberia, and one particular morning we were going to go to the Ganta Valley of Liberia, the very northern part of Liberia, a four-hour drive. And an event, a four-hour drive never takes four hours overseas. And we eventually get up there, and we're walking around this village, and these pastors are there, and these villagers are there, and, and the, the, the poorest of the poorest you can imagine. And while we're there, we're, we're, we get to the end, and we're talking with the pastors, and we're eating with them, and we're fellowshipping with them. And, and one pastor, his name was Guane Kona. Guane, I since recently just passed away and gone to heaven, but we are, we are trying to explain to them what we do and how we're trying to help them and how we want to you know, help them reach their village and, and so on and so forth. And as we're there, he says something along the line of, he says, you know, we, he says, we pray every morning and every night that God will provide us an opportunity to reach our village. And he said this statement, I'll never forget. He says, we don't have much, but we have God. You know, I'm sitting there, and I was thinking, I remember thinking, no, no, this, this pastor's not right. He doesn't have much. He's got nothing. But he had God. You know, it's easy for me to have compassion on that. Why? Because I've seen it. And then so it's easy for me to come back to America and, and try to raise support. And fortunately, we were able to raise support. And, and as he has passed away, we've seen now, just a couple months ago, now his church is taken over by a national, or a, 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 one of the gentlemen in the church that he had trained. But what happened? We saw it, and we had compassion. I could take you around the world and give you stories after stories, but we must have compassion. The third thing, Matthew 9, 38 what happened here? Jesus saw the multitudes. He had compassion. And then he said, pray. If we're going to reach the world this morning, we must understand that we need to pray for laborers. When was the last time you prayed that God would send someone from this church somewhere else? When was the last time you said, man, I, I'm so grateful for the church. I love the, I mean, the, the facilities God has given you here and the music and the pastor and his leadership of the church and when was the last time he said God has given us so much now Lord take this and send somebody else send somebody out of our church when was the last time to be honest with you, you stopped and said hey God send one of my children if you want hey God I got great plans for them and I have I want them to do certain things but if if you want my child to go somewhere please call them please take them when God saw the multitudes, he had compassion. The first thing he said, pray for laborers. Are we praying for laborers today? I'm not necessarily just talking about praying for the missionaries that are out there. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Are we praying that laborers would go? Let me get to my last point, and I want to spend a little bit, of, not too much time on this. And I'm, Verse number 36 well, he said, verse number 38, we'll look at it again. Pray therefore the Lord of harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. That's what he's praying for. But I find it interesting. Let's jump back to verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, we looked at this, he was moved with compassion. We already looked at that. Why was he moved with compassion? He says, because they were weary and scattered. Well, let's keep reading. Like sheep having no shepherd. You remember now, he had already preached to them, he taught, he healed every sickness, he healed every disease. He, these people had what they needed, but they did not have a shepherd. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, we must see the multitudes, we must have compassion, we must pray for laborers, and quite honestly this morning, folks, we must 
provide laborers. He had compassion and he hurt for the people because they did not have a shepherd. If the world is going to know Christ, we must help train and equip and send people to their own communities to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For nearly seven seven years now, the Lord has given us the opportunity to send national pastors, to support national pastors. A national, as I mentioned earlier, a national pastor can live on on average, going to a remote village, 3% of what the American missionary needs. It's not a, I mean, that's just the reality of it. We lived overseas. We understand that. We understand the cost of living for missionaries. And, and there's a reason for effective missionaries to be sent overseas. But if we're, we can, by, by just helping the nationals just a little bit get there, we can help them provide a pastor, a shepherd. How we do it? By the 3%. You know the national pastor has no culture shock. There's no language school. Tomorrow morning, we're, I was going to mention it earlier, we're sending a missionary to uh, Latin America, one of our missionaries out of our ministry to Latin America on a survey trip, and he's looking at, and, and he's going to do a great work in his family down there. We're praying for them, and they've raised their support, and they're going to look at doing language school. But you know, a national pastor never has a language school. They don't have to take time again. I'm not being critical. Please understand there's an important level of each of these things. But they, don't, they understand the culture. They understand the language. I mean, they, 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 why? Because they are one of their own people. Or how? Because they're one of their own people. Why? I'll be quite honest with you. And I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm, I don't want to be a, someone who just says things for a reaction. But, because, but why, why do we need to support the nationals and train them? Because the answer for the world is in America. To be honest with you, America is part of the puzzle, but they're not the tapestry. When we understand our part, and I'm talking about world missions now, we understand our part, we can be much more effective by saying, you know what, I have a little part, but let me do the, my best at that little part. But when we equip those that are supposed to help reach the entire world, we can do our part more effectively. I can tell you stories and stories, and I won't this morning, of pastors in, in the Philippines, and obviously Jamaica, and, and Liberia, and Ghana, and, and, and all around the world, and Mexico. What has happened is simple men have been called, and churches just like yours have said, you know what, we want a part of that. We want to support them to reach the world. I, I'll, I'll close with this. Core missions this morning is not the answer. Core is not the answer. But, we have, but, we, but what we have done is we've partnered with those who helped us reach the village. Would you, quite honestly, I know you're already working with us. You support the Beale family, and I mentioned, talk more about them this morning and how our ministry is working with American missionaries, and we're doing our best to equip the American missionaries and, and to send them out and to effectively train and start national churches so that those men can go out and start churches. But we can only do that by partnering with churches like you. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to be here. Lord, what a, man, we, we sure enjoyed our service, the service this morning and the, the singing and the, and the fellowship, Lord. I just ask that you take this very simple uh, outline and, Lord, use it. Use it to motivate us, to encourage us to see the multitudes, to have compassion, to pray, and that we could do our part to, to send more labors. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.